Welcome back to Probably About Politics. This episode, Ethiopia and their election that isn't. (laughs) Yes, breaking news today. Uh, It has been delayed again. Yes. So So we're going to be talking about the election in Ethiopia that was meant to happen August 2020, I think, Mm -hmm. at some point. And then because of COVID, it was delayed until this summer. Um, And now just yesterday it was delayed again it was it was meant to take place june 5th but then it was delayed again there are we'll talk about this but there are some there's there's ethiopia is a country in unrest right now in yes. several locations within it there is open war um mm-hmm. and that is making it difficult to have an election <laughs> yeah and it's a big concern, as we'll get into, because it's the second biggest country in the continent of Africa, I think. Yes, 109 million people live in live in Ethiopia. So this is not some small country. Um, I think we've been talking mostly about small countries recently, actually. So now we're going yeah. to Ethiopia. But before before we get to Ethiopia, before we get to the actual election that's happening, we do good news first now on this show. We, yes. <laughs> we talk about good happy things um my good news is quick kaylee um and i get to give this good news before you can give your good news because i get to get vaccinated before you get vaccinated oh yeah that's true <laughs> so my good news is that i'm immortal now oh is that what pfizer is it pfizer does for you yep i can breathe whatever air i want and nothing can hurt me <laughs> <laughs> that's my good news the 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 extension of that good news is that i had no side effects at all totally would recommend if anybody's listening to this and they're like hmm maybe i shouldn't get a vaccine i would say 100 percent, you should get a vaccine if you're eligible go do it uh it's not bad it's very easy um and it's safe and it will help your neighbor and your friends and it's like it's really it's pretty cool like um Hmm. alex got a vaccine he was really talking it up and then i was like oh man i wish i could get a vaccine and then i could get one and i've been thrilled ever since telling all my friends getting them to go get a vaccine Hmm. yeah honestly it's a little bit uh underwhelming once you get it because you leave and you still have your mask on and you really don't feel any different uh (laughs) and then you you go to work and you still have a mask on and all your friends are either vaccinated or not or still waiting and Mm -hmm. really you just go along living as if nothing changed you can breathe whatever air without fear yeah um so probably about politics uh very pro vaccine and that is our stance we endorse it. All right. So what's your good news, Kayla? Uh, so my good news uh, is, I don't, if some of you may have seen it, it is, uh, it was actually kind of a trending story, but in Glasgow, uh, in Scotland, uh, the United Kingdom, um, sort of, there was uh, uh, the, the home, uh, I think the home office, yeah, United Kingdom's home office, which is sort of in charge of immigration rules and, and detaining people who are maybe in violation of them for deportation. Um, on the morning of uh, Eid al-Fitr, which is sort of the end of Ramadan, like early in the morning, this is the end celebration of the end of the feast uh, or end of the the fe- uh, um, uh, of Ramadan, and I think they have they have feasts and, and things like that. But um, the the immigration home office uh, came to detain uh, two men, and that that neighbor neighborhood in Glasgow sort of swarmed the streets, swarmed the van. Um, and hundreds of people sort of came out throughout the day um, to block the van from from leaving with the with the men. 
Um, and, and sort of this practice of, of coming in the morning, um, really early in the morning is, is widely pretty frowned upon. It's, it's sort of like, it's termed dawn raids, I guess. Um, and it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's seen as bad practice in terms of, uh, of detaining people for, uh, immigration related reasons. Um, and, and as a result of sort of this day long, um, uh, standoff, uh, like at one point there were people like laying under the van, um, the men were, uh, eventually released. Um, and it, it was seen as a, a pretty major, uh, a pretty major victory of, of people coming together, um, in their neighborhood to, to stop this. And it was, it was, uh, I widely, uh, heralded as, as a good news story. Um, and, and Scotland is like kind of a unique, so in the UK, if you're not sort of aware, like the, the Britain, um, is probably a lot more conservative in, in many senses, um, and, and are more supportive of, of the sort of the UK's central, the, 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 the central government of the whole of the United Kingdom, um, which we've talked about before, um, it's more st- implementing stricter immigration policies. And Scotland has just had a, uh, an election, um, and they have, they have voted in favor quite strongly for, uh, the separatist party in Scotland. But in addition, the separatist party beyond just wanting to vote, uh, have a referendum on separation again, um, which they, they will probably bring, uh, in the next couple of years. Um, they want at, at, at sort of a, uh, as a minimum of a starting point to bring immigration control under Scotland's, uh, parliament, um, and government there, which is sort of reasonable because Scotland has a problem where the population is, is actually dwindling in comparison and they, they are actually fairly pro-immigration, um, as a, as a region. Um, and it, it's seen as sort of a, another example of the, uh, disconnect between, uh, Britain and Scotland in terms of, of their uh, uh, opinions and views on things. So it'll be an interesting, I think it'll be something that we'll probably end up covering in the future because I think that is a really developing uh, situation. Um, mm-hmm. And we have covered a few separations before. So what what was it that these two guys were accused of actually doing? Like, had they been breaking the law and that's why they were being deported? Or is it a difference between immigration law in what they what scotland sees as their immigration law and the uk sees as the total immigration law is scotland trying to be more aligned with the eu still and the uk is yeah no so uh the uk in like the recent they like recently announced their like sort of what they will be tackling in government for the next uh sessions um and they have said that they're going to crack down on people who have gotten here and should not be here and, and the ill effects that has on the vulnerable community. Um, and, and just like, I mean, Scotland, again, as I said, like they the population is dwindling. So actually they really, and the only place in Scotland that is a place where refugees get housed is Glasgow. Um, so they don't have, very many of that population, but they'd actually be pretty open, uh, it seems, at least from what I'm reading, to um, being able to increase those numbers and being able to control what is happening. Those men, uh, so they didn't explicitly say uh, what it was, but it was just for immigration violations. Um, so it's it's hard to know, you know, maybe it was a crime, maybe it was just a very minor, like, you filed the paperwork on the wrong day. Um, those, there's such a wide spectrum of what could have happened. 
And, but it was sort of, it was very much like in, it was in um, Nicholas Sturgeon, who is, uh, I guess, the premier or prime minister of Scotland. I can't remember what the name is. I should have looked that up. But uh, it, it was her, uh, her district. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this really like, it got on a lot of people's radars pretty fast. And uh, mm-hmm. so it is going to become, I think, a bit of a, a hot point issue um, for uh, the differences that uh, sort of, Scotland's now pretty separatist government um, and uh, Boris Johnson's, uh, um, you know, uh, their their objectives are very different, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. You bring up Glasgow, which is not good new, good news story for me. I was supposed to go to Glasgow last May and then... Yeah, we were, we were both going to be there. Yeah. Oh, well. Bring it after up past COVID, pain. After, you know, we both get two shots, the world <laughs> opens up. We record an episode of Probably with Politics in Glasgow. Hmm. Okay, yeah, live show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there is someday going to be an election in Ethiopia, right? Yeah, hopefully, yeah. It was delayed last summer. It is once again delayed as of yesterday. It was supposed to happen in June. This is going to be the first election since 2015, even though there's been a change in government since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, the current Prime Minister, Abiy Ahmed, uh, won the Nobel Peace Prize back in 2019. Um, he was seen as kind of like this new guy who was coming in, who was going to change things. He was he had buried the hatchet, as people said, with uh, a, with neighboring countries, um, starting to like decrease tensions regionally. Um, but within within the country, there are several hot spots um, in his in his own uh, Aromo uh, region and also in the uh, Tigray region in the north, there's these um, kind of these main conflicts, but there's also other regional conflicts. Um, so I don't really know where even where to go with this, Kaylee, is that it's really difficult to have an election in this, in this country. Um, and it is very difficult um, to say that this is even a, a state which is functioning at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that it is. It's another like it's another situation. I think we've talked about a few times. Like the road to democracy is a lot more rocky than people imagine. Um, I think it's sort of assumed. Oh well, democracy is obviously so much better, and so we will very everybody will be very happy and it'll very easily go um, to this situation. Um, but we do. I guess so. The um, it. The, the Tigray, so I guess as a sort of quick overview, I guess, is is until 25th, 2018 or uh, 2018, um, Ethiopia was sort of an uh, authoritarian situation. Like it, it was mm-hmm. an autocracy, um, which is to say, and, and, and the primary party in charge was the Tigray National People's Front. Um which represented a, a, you know, it's a minority. It re- they represent a minority uh, ethnic group that uh, in, in t- Tigray, um, and and the Tigray that only make up re- about seven percent yeah, of 7, the country. Yeah. And the so just as a quick note, if people are looking at this about home, the name of the party that was in charge was the EPRDF, um, which mm-hmm. was a coalition of multiple parties, and the TPLF, the Tigray People's Liberation Front, was kind of like the leading party of this coalition, even though it represents a small group of the actual country Mm -hmm. um, itself. Um, So if you're following along um, with your scorecards at home, uh, it's the EPRDF (laughs) that was controlled by the TPLF. 
um, which then kind of like split at this point in time that Kaylee's talking yeah. about right now. And 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 that was like that was in place for thirty years. So for thirty years, um, so Ethiopia is divided into ten uh, regional uh, uh, or ten regions basically, and mm-hmm. these regions are sort of loosely grouped as different ethnic groups um mm-hmm. but of course like over time and in different situations there are other ethnic groups in those regions um and and that is uh, some of the source of conflict but the authoritarian nature of the government uh the central government at the time and and the ability of the so each of these regions also had like their own strong regional government that had a lot of uh say as well um mm-hmm. so the the authoritarian nature nature of of the government that had existed had been able to sort of quell, um, you know, tensions or um, issues that different ethnic groups might have had with each other, um, questions about, uh, I mean, like, like questions about resources, uh, land, um, and, and, and political representation weren't being weren't on the table you couldn't ask those questions the government was kind of in in charge of that and and if it worked out for you it worked out for you it's obviously there's more and it's more complicated than that but but basically things were under control uh in in and when in this authoritarian setting and then to open up the door to democracy after a lot lot of protests and uh Ab- abdi ahmed ca- comes into play here um as this young like i think he's the youngest african leader of a country at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's 44. He, yeah. So he, he comes in, he, as the prime minister and everybody sort of sees this great new hope. Uh, and then he ends the conflict with, uh, Etria. Um, and that is sort of a, that is kind of where the story starts. I think it, he does get a Nobel peace prize for it. Um, but, uh, in the new tradition of recipients of Nobel peace prizes, um, <laughs> Uh, sort of falling to disgrace. Um, uh, yeah, you, you, it, the the Tigray, which was which borders uh, with Atria, uh, wasn't very happy about that. They felt that their the experiences and violence that they'd experienced were um, sort of lost in that, and they'd also just uh, you know sort of the 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 national party had lost significant amounts of power. Um, their leadership had been arrested and taken out of uh, leadership positions um and and so so you can see how you know a lot of people he really shook things up he made a lot of uh, enemies i think he had an assassination attempt early in his his uh prime ministership but yeah well there's a everything got really shook up uh and and everybody finally thought you know now it's okay we can we can start to figure out um questions of historical displacement uh yeah political grievances resource access etc um just for people who don't have the map of east africa uh in their minds uh ethiopia uh borders eritrea in the north and the tigray region is like right on the northern border of ethiopia and so they're right up against that so that war was ended but now it's easy for the government in addis ababa in the middle of the country quite far away from eritrea uh to end a war like that because that that as Kaylee had been saying, or as you had been saying, it's hard to know if I'm talking to you or the listener, Kaylee. Um, <laughs> this is really kind of like the main disconnect, right? Is that there's one city, right? There's Addis Ababa, where the government works, 
right? It's it's not even part of a region, so it's its own its own city. It's outside of any regionality. It's outside of like a state, basically, is what really the regions are. Um, and so this kind of like this federalist region um, really serves what what people say is that it really serves itself and its own its own desires, right? And so this is kind of why the international scene really looked pretty favorably on on these acts um, that um, Prime Minister Ahmed performed early on after he'd taken over and changed the EPRDF into the Prosperity Party. Um, and then he takes these acts to kind of end these wars, right? And these, these kind of like elites in Addis Ababa that talk about this and then they the this kind of same group of people that goes out and is kind of interacting with the international community that story seems to be completely disconnected from what is actually happening in the rest of ethiopia <laughs> right and so i mean i was even i was watching this um this interview on uh france 24 and the interviewer had um three ethiopians they were in they were in the united states <laughs> three different people and he was interviewing them and then he had one uh guy from france who was kind of like an international observer type guy you know those guys that go on talk shows yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and every person that he spoke to had a totally different explanation of what was happening in ethiopia um like one of them was saying like well you know um ahmed is doing these good things but people are mad about it but that's just difficult and he'll move forward and it'll be okay he's doing all these great things but it's being undermined by the regions not listening and not doing the right thing and then somebody else comes in and says well there's a genocide happening in tigray that is being perpetuated by the central government of ethiopia um and then there's another guy who comes in uh and says well it seems as though, you know, like we don't actually know what's happening and it's actually a regional military that's doing this or like this other, like the, it was kind of like centralized warfare, but it turns into guerrilla warfare and it's kind of like militias doing this. And what I got out of it is that there's just a really difficult <laughs> disconnect between the central government and what the international community sees from them going out and what's actually happening in the regions um, and what's happening even at the border, well, not, not just at the borders of the regions, but even like between Ethiopia and surrounding countries as well, um, which makes it really difficult. I mean, it's like it's a pretty yeah. small region, right? It's a pretty small region, but over 100, almost 110 million people live there. It's it's the largest economy of East Africa, which is still one of the poorest countries, though, right? Like it's bordering Eritrea, which has, I think, I remember talking to you about this back in like 2016 maybe i think of like it has i think the lowest literacy rate eritrea does of of any country in the world so it's like a very troubled region um and there's just this huge disconnect to even understand what's going on and so i mean even for this election that was going to happen right like international observers just decided that they weren't even going to go anymore yeah. they weren't it wasn't going to be at a legitimate yeah. election um but then the election gets po postponed anyway because people in Tigray couldn't even or weren't registering to vote because there's a war happening right yeah 56 million eligible voters weren't registered yet yeah and I mean even on this France 24 interview that I was watching that's like 
45 minutes long. They were going on about how, you know, from one person's point of view, it's, look, we have any, most people in the region in Ethiopia can register and vote. It's great. Just go do it. And then somebody else being like, well, and this person was kind of uh, an advocate for it to gray was like, well, this whole place isn't being represented. So we can't do that. And this other guy was like, well, you know, that's just the way it is. (laughs) (laughs) And he was, and of course he's kind of like on the Addis Ababa side of this thing, like the kind of federalist side. So it's just, I don't know, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think it, uh, yeah, it it was interesting. Like there seemed to be a, like, I, I guess, but there seemed to be a lot of, uh, articles that were just sort of like and Tigree won't be participating um because of civil war and i was like but it still seems like that's a region in the country but i guess like they also like the conflict is somewhat rooted in the fact that uh Tigray just held their own election in september 2020 um and mm-hmm. declared uh um the uh, omnid no longer a valid leader anymore so that that was part of the the conflict i guess that that's important to note they did Old sort of an election they they are clearly opposed as a region i think is is uh to the government and probably it's not yeah. better and i guess like you were saying a little bit about like that that like other co- neighboring countries are involved and it's like important to know that uh there is a very credible suggestion that eritrea is is part of the uh the attacks and the the conflict in tigray with on the side of the ethiopian government um which you know uh, given the tensions over that reconciliation, uh, or that that it wasn't a reconciliation, that agreement uh, or peace, I guess it was reached uh, for the people in Tigray. Um, it's, it re- represents some of what that problem was when in when we were all like, oh, it's great that this peace was reached. I think internationally, everybody was very happy, but uh, mm-hmm. it's clearly imperfect. I mean, yeah, it's easy to see that the region of Tigray is kind of against the central government, given that the EPRDF was the kind of autocratic rule prior to the prosperity party and pretty much every party that was a coalition member of the EPRDF when it transitioned to the prosperity party joined except for the TPLF because the TPLF, which is the Tigray's people liberation front didn't want to join because they wanted to maintain power as, as the, as the previous party. Right. So yeah. And and so like, I don't know about you, but when I was like doing the research for it, I was like, okay, so it's, Tigray, that's where the conflict is. And then I finally like got somebody who like or listened to a video or, or read something, I can't remember which, uh, where they're like, and now in pretty much all ten regions there is a different ethnic conflict that is occurring. Um, yes, and it's not every the same one. Yeah. Um, every, and every single like pretty much every region uh, this is occurring and then so there is significant like voter registration delays in in most in the largest re- region of uh, Oromia uh, there's significant delays which is also I think the most significant ethnic group uh, in Ethiopia which we mentioned early is is predominantly there um, yeah there's and civil war in Tigray obviously um, so the this really was increasingly clearly not going to be at least a, an election that was at all representative that anybody would agree the results of it were um were valid I, I think it would have been impossible to come to that conclusion i yeah i mean it's not i i, I think it's easy to see that the the results of the election would probably be questioned anyway given that um the current party the prosperity party holds 512 seats 
um, in the current in the current parliament uh, in the election that's upcoming with a kind of reshuffle of seats um, you would need 274 for minor for a majority so there's current so there's now 547 seats I don't think we've ever looked at an election so far on this show in six years where a party's going in with what what is that almost 90 yeah. percent of the seats in parliament uh and the election um would be seen as legitimate i don't think i don't think we've ever seen that yeah um and so i think something yeah it, it seems like i think what we're seeing here is and i think something we can sort of talk about that we've seen in other places like when we talked about colombia um and and i think we can think to other countries that have experienced um a lot of internal strife like there were the thing about an authoritarian government is a lot of bad things happened but there was no like space to uh you know sort of work through that process whether that is forgiveness whether that is reparations what is the reconciliation i don't know but that there was no reconciliation and then immediately we're all going to be one country sort of that was sort of what um uh up uh, Ahmed was uh, Abdi Ahmed was saying was like that that all the different ethnic groups should come together to make one Ethiopia, um, and 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 sort of implying that or and, and factually I think to a certain degree t- taking away sort of power from regional the regional groups which threaten them uh, without um, sort of addressing some of the or addressing the many uh, you know uh, traumas and challenges and conflicts that had just been sort of pasted over by by the authoritarian governments um and and i think we've seen in in cases like when we talked about colombia like there there's a lot of people who were who are left behind or experienced or lost families and and stuff like that and it's 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 hard to make democracy just work there there's maybe some backbones to it that are required Mm -hmm. Yeah, so going forward, it doesn't look like this election is going to be happening anytime soon. Um, and the currently the future of Ethiopia is kind of questioned, um, given the the uh, state of all of the regions, and that there are these armed conflicts going on in pretty much every region, um, and that um, there seems to be a failure for the ability for the central government to govern. Um, anywhere in the country or everywhere in the country um and also like in these regions it seems like they're like i was watching some some videos of showing like how there's like even military like um government military patrols um being ambushed by um other other like militia groups and they don't really even have like the ability to have like military control of regions um and so the the future of i think the country is is questionable at this point um at least in its current state yeah and and i think so we i I think we both read about it a bit but so we the un uh did try and pass a joint statement condemning the sort of uh the atrocities that were occurring in tigray um and 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 to try and flag what is happening in ethiopia um but china and russia wouldn't allow the passing of that joint statement um, currently, the U.S. and the U.K. are are urging um, the Ahmed um, to withdraw soldiers um, and allow and 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 create better act access for journalists and aid workers. Um, and, and I think it's important to note that for Integre, I think from about November 
um, uh, for many months early into the, in, in the conflict that has been occurring. There was no access to internet. There was no access via plane or road. Um, and there was no access to telephones. So, so nobody could really accurately say what was happening in Tigray. Um, so it, it was deeply, it deeply concerning. And, uh, and, and, and we know, I think at this point now that there were, there was ethnic, uh, cleansing, there was, uh, mass killings, um, and, and that, uh, uh clearly that there's some really, uh, bad, uh, terrible stuff happening there. Um, on a note of what I'd said earlier, I think we covered Singapore. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think Singapore had almost 90 percent of the seats won by the actual winning party. Yeah, I, I think we contested whether that was a democracy. <laughs> yeah, it's a flawed democracy. It's <laughs> it's more or less, you know, people vote and it generally kind of mm-hmm. follows at least more or less the people's wishes. But yes, I think it is officially um, cited as a flawed democracy and not a, a full democracy. But that's Ethiopia. Maybe we'll cover it again when the election actually happens, because that what that was the idea here. Um, but <laughs> yes, uh, I think it's like I think uh, like uh, like with many sort of situations, I think we see in the news today. Um, this is another one where you got to you're going to have to look. You got to look at the history at, at how complicated these regions are, um, of, of who's been thrown together, um, mm. uh, and 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 how long how hard it is to sort of unwind the history. I guess to to come to a resolution and probably yes. don't stop watching because uh, it's not good don't stop watching never stop watching all right but we have science news now Kaylee. now we turn to the sky now we turn to the sky um and this is something that that we won't stop watching because the corvids won't stop watching this is about birds mm-hmm. actually being pretty smart okay our birds isn't like not smart that's the thing (laughs) so up until recently this is this is from i'm not a bird guy but from what i've read and understood about birds Mm -hmm. preparing for this uh it has been debated but i think it's been kind of discovered in like 2013 or so that people say that birds don't have a cerebral cortex Right. They don't have like the big part of our brain that lets us like do thinking and stuff. Um, but birds are pretty smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was a, uh, a paper. I think it actually came out last year, um, but it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it came out in September, so officially 2020. Um, but this is a paper that shows that birds, at least these corvids, these crows, can in fact have consciousness and they can think about what they know okay. and use that to then make a decision about something and answer a question and think about their thoughts. Okay. Now, you might be wondering how you would do this and know from a crow. Now, <clears throat> in these like experiments, this is always really, don't, I know you're going to ask me, you always do, how do you actually do that? <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me how you train a crow, Kaylee. Okay. Um, so basically what they did, right? Long story short. They get a crow. They put it in front of a little screen, okay? <laughs> and they, they tell the crow, okay, we're going to start the test. I think the crow chooses. The crow's like, let's do it. And it like pecks mm-hmm. the thing. Then it waits. And then they show the crow a very dim light, mm-hmm. okay? So the crow has to kind of make a choice as to whether or not they saw a light or not because it's very dim. Okay. Then they wait mm-hmm. two and a half seconds. And then they ask the crow, hit the red 
board, peck the red board if you saw a light, or peck the blue board if you didn't see a light. Okay. Right? And then and then uh, and then they do this a bunch of times. So they flash the light, and then they, they flash the really dim light, and then the crow has to make the choice. Yes, I saw it. No, I didn't. And also, the important thing is they tell the crow only after the delay mm-hmm. between the light, and then they say, "Okay, this time peck the red if you did see a light, and peck the blue if you didn't, or peck the red if you didn't, and the blue if you did." So which board they peck changes each time. Okay. I don't. I don't know how you tell. I don't know how you tell a crow the rule, right? But they. This is an. This is an integral part of this is that they change which one they hit, and so basically what they noticed was that, they they changed the dimness of the light until it was so dim that the crows aren't really sure. Like they're. It's not like so bright that it's really obvious that they actually mm-hmm. saw it. So they they see the light and then they have a certain set of neurons, right? That just go off and say, yeah, we saw a light. That's like you're just like your sensory neurons right Mm -hmm. but then there's this whole other set of neurons that then they have to like hold that state in their mind yeah and then they have to think about whether or not they saw a light (laughs) and then because they so they can't just say like they can't have that yes no and then just like hit the board that that is correlated to whether or not they saw it because the one that they actually peck then changes too so they have to like think about what they're going to do think about what they know and how that impacts it and then like make a call based on like thinking about the knowledge that they've previously had about whether or not that light flashed okay so it seems so it's like there's two different sets of neurons that are working here instead of just neurons that say i saw a light yes i did mm-hmm. so i don't know the paper is actually pretty interesting mm-hmm. um it it seems uh, it's it's like really con- it's really complicated because it's not just like yeah you can get a crow to react to a light that's not new no, the new yeah. thing is that you can get the crow to think about whether or not yeah. they saw a light because the light is so dim um so uh, like okay yeah, quick ahead. question this is mm. not i you might not like this but uh so do you think that they chose <laughs> red and blue because birds are red green colorblind uh i don't know why they chose red and blue um, probably because they can differentiate those colors very well. Maybe they just maybe that's just the way the lab is set up. They have red ones and blue ones. <laughs> yeah, it just it just seemed to, you know like I would choose red and green, you know, because stop go, you know that's I feel like very default human color choice mm. for yeah choice. But uh, so right. I just looked up if crows can see red and green, and the top answer is crows can't see yellow. <laughs> <laughs> So not an answer, but we know they can't see yellow, I guess. Yeah, it could have been like, I mean, maybe it's interesting to do this. And they instead of pecking a color, they peck like a shape to determine mm-hmm. what it is instead. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the thing is, is that the interesting thing that comes out of this is that not only do crows have consciousness, right? They can mm-hmm. say, this, and this is kind of debated as to whether or not this is really, but there's there's multiple papers and there's like a, bo- a growing body of evidence to show that crows do have the ability to think about their thoughts okay which is a weird thing to think about because we're thinking about how other things can think about their own thoughts Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but that's i guess it's weird right the brain named itself the only thing that studies itself and it thinks it's so great (laughs) but the cool thing really is that the 
the structure of a crow brain, like how I said earlier, the crows don't have a cerebral cro- cortex, mm-hmm. cere- cerebral cortex, um, <laughs> is that is that they have this totally different structure of their brain. And so it seems like either consciousness either evolved separately two mm-hmm. times, so it evolved in birds and in mammals. Because the only other things that can do this are like macaques and humans, basically, and like some higher apes. Oh. Um, so this is like a very rare thing that humans have been like, ah, this is what makes us so great, right? Um, <laughs> but it seems like crows can do that without mm-hmm. without this same brain structure. Um, and so it's either consciousness uh, evolved separately two different times, mm-hmm. or it's or it evolved way earlier than we actually think it did um, mm-hmm. before humans and crows branched off phylogenetically like 300 million yeah. years ago or whatever. So watch this space, either it evolved separately or all at once a long, long time ago. But that's that's the question that's that's left to tackle next and whether or not they can do it with red and green, I guess. Do we think um, like, do we think that that means um, like are crows then in some way more useful to us or should we be nervous (laughs) that the crows will take over the crows? Um, I don't know. You say, are they more useful to us? I guess. Do you want to use, do you want to make things be useful to you that can think about how they're yeah. being used? I mean, to be fair, we use other people. We have people have jobs yeah. and we I ask guess, favors yeah. of one another. So like, I guess that's fine. Should I be looking to have like a philosophical discussion with a new crow friend? Um, or do you think we could, like, cause I've seen the birds. It was scary but we didn't think the crows had consciousness oh you mean the movie not just yeah Yeah. i've seen you know the birds no yeah no the hitchcock film (laughs) okay um i think i mean there's stuff that shows like crows if crows can remember people in the way that they act towards Mm -hmm. them right like if you're mean to the crows they'll remember you and they teach other crows like they're Mm -hmm. young i think like intergenerational teaching happens and it's like that person was rude to me you shouldn't be nice to them nice yeah Um, yeah so i mean i mean i think this generally goes without saying but if you need evidence for why to treat animals with (laughs) kindness yeah (laughs) here you go (laughs) the crows will peck you if you if you look like the light so so okay yeah no i i I respect crows already i didn't need this (laughs) lesson but i uh further reason anyway so that's that's that we have conscious crows we have a delayed election that was you know may or may not have been an election to begin with in in ethiopia um and some some good news uh, out of some turmoil in scotland mm-hmm. and go get a vaccine yes by the time by the time you're listening to this like probably 60 percent of canada has been vaccinated yeah. so keep up the good work 100 100 of this pod will be 50 percent vaccinated <laughs> Yes, 100% of the time it works 50% of the time. Thank you for listening to Probably Politics. Uh, if you have anything to say to us, want to call us bird brains, uh, send us a tweet at probpolitics or an email to probablypolitics at gmail.com. Um, but remember, that's only a compliment now. Yes, it yeah. is. Bird brains are is a good thing. It means you have literally the lowest form of consciousness possible. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. We love you all. We love you.